Hello and welcome to the Smart Witch Podcast and thank you so much for joining me today. Um, So today I'm actually really excited because we're going to do kind of like a crystal magic, crystal healing 101 type episode. And I'm excited to do this because I've only mentioned crystal magic really once in this episode, or rather in this podcast, um, in terms of how to work with crystals for skincare, actually, which is one of my favorite ways to work them into my daily life and my um, everyday kind of self-care routines. So if you haven't already listened to that episode, I think it's pretty good. Please check that out. And crystals really can do amazing things for your skin. Trust me. Um, I get compliments on my skin all the time. It's probably the thing that I receive the most compliments about um, physically, and it is definitely worth it to integrate crystal medicine into your regimen. But I want to do a lot more with crystal healing in this podcast. It's something that I'm so passionate about. I've been working with crystals my literally pretty much my entire um, life, really. I started to consciously actually cultivate a collection and work with them for magic and manifestation and healing, um, probably around age 12 when I started to get into witchcraft. Um, and then obviously my interest really just grew from there and I became a certified crystal healer under Hibiscus Moon in 2016. But honestly, I feel like um, most of my education, well, of course, that was formally training in how to conduct a crystal healing session. I really have been trained uh by myself, just from books, reading, and also field research, actually working with stones and seeing how they make me feel and how I work best with them. Um, I feel like that's how I really learned. And obviously, it's something that is, you know, you never just are finished learning about that. The idea with crystal magic is that you continue to grow your collection, you continue to work with different stones and specimens, and honestly, they will work with you different at different times in your life. So it really is not anything that's ever done. You're always cultivating a relationship with the crystal world. And so I just wanted to do a little bit of a, as I said, kind of like an intro episode just for further crystal magic and crystal healing discussion in this podcast. I think starting in August, this coming month, I'm going to do like the first week of every month, I'm just going to do like a profile of one or two crystals that I've been working with lately or crystals that I might recommend for that month given current world events or maybe for the astrology of the month. I haven't figured out how I'm going to pick the crystals yet, but I definitely want to kind of feature a crystal in this podcast at least once a month or two maybe and talk about what they do and how I work with them and really inspire you to either grow your collection or create a collection or if you already have a a pretty vast um, assortment of crystals in your library then to inspire you to return to that library and actually think about your crystals in a new way, um, find the really specific ways that you can work with them to actually improve your life every single day. So before we get into that, I just want to talk really quickly about the science behind crystal healing. Now, I know that this isn't super interesting, but it's something that I am actually passionate about because there really is 
kind of a science to it. And this is my training when I studied under Hibiscus Moon, who I think a lot of you probably know. She's a pretty well-respected and renowned figure in the metaphysical healing space. But she's actually a former science teacher. She was, um, I think, the head of the science department chair in the school where she taught in Florida. Um, And she actually retired to run her Crystal Healing Academy. But her background is science. She does have a master's in science. And so her course was really all about the science behind crystal healing, which is what drew me to that course in particular over some of the other ones that are offered also by very well-respected teachers and healers. But I really liked, I felt like I already knew about how to work with crystals. And I even had like a really good idea of pretty much what almost all of them mean, like, or not what they mean. I, I don't like that phrase, but how I work best personally with them and how they tend to like to work with me and also my clients. So I had a really good understanding of crystal healing as I use it and crystal magic and how to use them. But I really wanted the confidence to be able to hold my own in a conversation with someone that was maybe a little bit reluctant to jump on the bandwagon. Now, that being said, it's not my job to convince anyone of anything. And that's frankly not something that I'm even interested in. So if you're here, I'm assuming that you're probably not someone that's really skeptical about crystal magic and crystal healing. I'm assuming that you're a pretty open-minded babe. But if you are skeptical... I actually really recommend the book Vibrational Medicine by Richard Gerber, who is a medical doctor. And it basically just talks, it's not specifically about crystal healing in particular, but it really just talks about the science behind energy healing in general and how it's really just a difference between Einstein's view of the world, which would be more Eastern healing techniques such as crystal healing, and Newton's view of the world, which would be more the traditional um kind of Western medicine. And honestly, both are obviously effective. Um, No responsible energy healer would tell you to just not seek treatment from a licensed medical professional ever. So obviously, I think you know that that would be a huge red flag and highly unethical. But the two are often presented as being somewhat in conflict. And the truth is that they really are not. They do different things and they kind of approach um, physical illness or even mental or emotional illness. unrest from completely different angles that, as I said, can both be very effective, especially when we're using them together. So that book is really um, quite exceptional. It was a required text for my crystal healing course. So again, that is uh, Vibrational Medicine by Richard Gerber, who is a medical doctor that is available on Amazon, which is where I got it. And it's definitely not a light read. I mean, it reads like a textbook, but if you yourself are into a little bit of academic reading and you are interested but reluctant to jump on the crystal healing bandwagon, then I definitely recommend checking that out as a piece of literature that I think will just help you to consider the possibility. And now my teaching, I'm just going to quickly go into my understanding of the science behind crystal healing. Again, not from the perspective of trying to convince you of anything, because again, that's not my job and it's not something that I even want to do. But I do just want you to, like me, feel confident um, to explain this to someone that might be curious, even if a bit reluctant. So first of all, crystals are very unique 
beings in the universe because they have the very unique ability to resist entropy. Whereas everything else in the universe, um, in very much including human beings, is always moving toward a state of entropy. And if you remember back to your science class from probably either middle school or high school, entropy really just is a fancy word for chaos. So most things in the universe are in a perpetual state of moving toward chaos. They are breaking down. And obviously human beings are a really good example, right? We, we die, you know, as we age, things stop working the way they should. We are always moving toward a state of decay. And so most things in the universe work that way as well. But crystals do not they are not moving toward a state of entropy. And in fact, they have the unique ability to resist entropy. So that is, scientifically speaking, a really big part of the reason why crystals are so powerful to work with because they really do have the ability to resist the approach to chaos that we are always kind of involved in. Now, a, a, an appropriate follow-up question would be, why is it that the crystal would affect our vibration and then we as human beings also with a vibration wouldn't affect the crystal? And that's a good question. And the answer is that crystals have one strong dominant oscillatory rate, um, also known as the DOR, <clears throat> excuse me. Whereas human beings, ours is kind of all over the place. Every organ in our body has a different dominant oscillatory rate. So we're kind of vibrating at different rates, like all of our body parts are vibrating differently. And so our energy as a being compared to a crystal is a lot more scattered, whereas a crystal just has one strong dominant oscillatory rate. And so through a process known as entrainment, we actually sort of come into sync with the energy of the crystal as opposed to the other way around because the crystal has essentially the stronger and more um, definitive vibration. And so that's kind of what's happening when we work with crystals, whether for magic and manifestation or in spell work or incorporating them into our daily lives in our skincare or carrying them with us to hopefully create a specific outcome or help us to channel a specific quality or whether we're working with it for a very specific healing intention, whether mental, emotional, spiritual, or physical healing. That's what's happening is we're literally entraining, coming into entrainment with the energy of the crystal. So it's a really powerful process. And I just want to give you some vocabulary around, as I said, why and how crystal healing is such an effective tool and modality. So hopefully that gives you some confidence and understanding. And again, obviously, I am not a scientist. I don't even really like science. But that made a lot of sense to me when I heard that. And again, for further reading, I definitely recommend Richard Gerber's Vibrational Medicine. So please do check that out on Amazon if you want to learn more. But at this point, I'm going to move on and just sort of talk about how and where to start. So if you're interested in working with crystals, but you don't really have maybe that big of a collection, obviously you have to start somewhere. So I recommend just getting a few crystals at your local witchery. Obviously, with COVID, uh, things are kind of strange right now. I think a lot of places are open, but it might not feel safe for you to travel. It might not be safe for you to travel. And also, a lot of places I think are still closed or just at very minimal capacity. So um, obviously, I totally understand if 
in-person shopping isn't an option for you right now. In that case, you can usually get pretty good quality crystals from Etsy. That's the place that I like to send people to online. I tend to be really weary of uh, eBay just because there's really no way to guarantee the ethics of the seller. Um, Amazon too, I like to stay away from just because it's it's just kind of sketchy. Um, so just for single specimens, I really like to recommend Etsy. Um, I also think Sage Goddess does have a really good selection, but I don't support that business as much anymore because I've heard about some uh, ethical concerns of the company. So use your judgment on that. But Sage Goddess does also have a really good selection of crystals which are ethically sourced. So, But I would definitely recommend Etsy too. It's a really good way to just support um, small businesses. But wherever you end up getting your crystals, I definitely recommend just getting a couple, especially if you're brand new, start affordable. You can really venture out and and acquire some exciting specimens when you get a little bit later in your journey of crystal healing. And honestly, it is different because for me, I collect crystals with the intention that not only am I going to use them on and for myself, but I'm also going to use them on and with and for clients in in-person crystal healing sessions. So I normally will buy two as long as it's affordable enough especially if I'm buying a particular crystal because I want to put it on a specific altar in my home or if I want to use it for a particular spell I'm planning, then I might not necessarily want to use it again depending on the situation. And so if I think that's the case, then again, I will buy two as long as it's affordable enough. But if that's not really the case for you, if you're not necessarily a healer where you're seeing clients or might use your crystals on other people or in ritual or spell work or on an altar, then it's not necessarily worth it to buy two. Although there's some crystals that it's definitely worth having more than one. Obviously, quartz is just something that everyone should have. Clear quartz, it's so powerful. It's energetically just basically a blank slate. It can be programmed to behave as any stone or to work with you on really any intention or manifestation project or healing journey. So I definitely recommend having some quartz, having some amethyst. There's just kind of some basic, really affordable ones that I feel like every crystal healer should have at least one of. So start basic, um, go with your intuition, or you can um, just kind of see what's out there. But those are two that I definitely recommend starting with. They're really quite powerful. And now um, in terms of learning like what crystals do what, I don't want you to get too hung up personally on um, like what the books say. Now I am a hoarder of literature on crystals, so I'm kind of a hypocrite telling you that. I love to read about them. I honestly have on my computer a whole catalog that I've created for myself where I can quickly reference like specific crystals for specific things that I think are going to help me. And that might sound a little crazy, but I really like to have that organization. But I also just love reading about them. It's literally enjoyable reading to me. All of my crystal books, even the ones that are kind of meant to be more reference style reading, I've pretty much read cover to cover. I love reading about crystals, especially new discoveries. So for me, it's really enjoyable to collect and read crystal books. And I definitely do recommend having at least one or two in your collection just so that you do have something. But I really recommend working with your stone by yourself and really just seeing how it works with you. And you can do this by, for like one week maybe, 
put a stone in your pocket or bra, or if it's a piece of jewelry that you have, just wear that piece of jewelry. I recommend kind of minimalizing any other crystal energy in your space during that time. So if you normally are the type to wear a lot of crystal rings or earrings or necklaces, or other rings, um, or carry other crystals with you, then I do recommend just not doing that, just so you can really make sure you're just purely receiving the energy of the one stone. And so um, at that point, you can journal about it. You can just sort of pay close attention to the kind of week you have, the kind of days you have when you have the crystal with you. Um, and then also, you can sleep with it, journal about what your dreams are like. This is a really good way to cultivate a personal relationship with a stone and really get in touch with the way that it wants to work with you. And honestly, if you really, this might be too witchy for some of you, but you can literally ask the crystal how it wants to work with you and ask that the message comes through in dream time if there might be a specific thing that the crystal wants to help you with, especially if you purchased it as more of an intuitive choice. And you can also purchase a crystal with an intention. You can purchase it knowing that you're looking for a crystal that will kind of help you with something specific. And once you choose a crystal for you, you can really set the intention with that stone that together this is the work that you're gonna do. So that's really quite powerful. Now, a couple of crystal books that I do recommend for your library. So the Crystal Bible 1, 2, and 3 by Judy Hall, those are all really exceptional. Now, if you're a beginner, then I really recommend just starting with the first Crystal Bible because the three volumes actually, um, the crystals get rarer and rarer as the volumes go on. So the first Crystal Bible is very common stones like amethyst and rose quartz and tiger's eye and agate and all those really common stones that you're likely to come across as a beginner. And then in volume two and volume three, they get a little bit rare. They get a little bit more expensive. And those really are meant for more avid collectors um, and really energy healers. So start simple, start with the first crystal Bible. And then maybe later on in your journey, especially the crystal Bible two does have some other pretty common ones. But the crystal Bible three is really, as I said, rare specimens and specimens that tend to be a little more expensive. So um, start with the crystal Bible one. I really like Judy Hall. She's probably the leading voice in the crystal healing community. She's a British healer. Uh, she's also an astrologer. She's a really exceptional woman, and I really like all of her books. She also has a book called The Crystal Encyclopedia, and that's actually, it's not worth necessarily getting both because the Crystal Encyclopedia contains all the information that the Crystal Bibles do. It's just sort of uh, organized differently. It's organized by color as opposed to alphabetical order. Um, so if you prefer that kind of a format, then the Crystal Encyclopedia might be a better choice for you. It also does contain, like, as I said, a combination of, I think, at least the first two Crystal Bibles, maybe not the third, but it has a wider selection of stones than any one of the Crystal Bibles. So the Crystal Encyclopedia by her is really, really good, too, contains all the same information. The layout is just a little bit different. It's organized by color. I also really like the Crystal Healer by Philip Permit, and again, that's arranged by color. It's a really nice book because it just, it's a lot shorter. It's not too much information. If you really just want a quick reference book where it's not, you know, paragraph format, it literally just talks about where the crystal's from, uh, a couple of ways that it, it's commonly worked with, just a few like key pieces of information that you can use. And that's a really powerful um, resource in my opinion. And then I also really like the book of stones by Robert Simmons 
And this is a really powerful book because it's based actually on his own channeled experiences with the stones. He is a really powerful psychic. And so the book is actually a result of his psychic impressions of what the stones have said to him. Whereas most of the other crystal books that I have and will recommend to you are based on information from the ancients and what has always kind of been done and how the crystals historically have always been used. I think Judy Hall actually is more of a combination. I think she both does channeling and psychic work with stones, and I think she also draws on the historical facts and how they were historically used. So those are a few really good books. Um, I also really like um, Athena Paracas, who is the founder and CEO of Sage Goddess. She has a new crystal book out that just came out last year. It's called Crystal Lore Legends and Myths. And Athena is a very interesting woman. She has a PhD. She's very smart. She runs a huge corporation, which is really impressive. And she's just kind of a boss babe. Um, as I said, I've recently been made aware of some ethical issues with her company in terms of the way that they treat their staff. So I have backed off. I don't support them as much as I used to. But again, use your judgment on that. And this is a really good book. Um, I really do like it. It's very different. It focuses heavily on the history, which to me is really fascinating. And it's actually arranged a little differently than any other crystal book I have. It's arranged according to the region where the crystal was worked with historically um, by the ancients. So, so really powerful book and really cool read for sure. Um, and then I think, was there one more I wanted to recommend? Um, oh, yes, there was. I also really like the Crystal Handbook by Cassandra Eson, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. She has a lot of, like, fun little books on witch various uh, witchcraft um, topics, but I really like the Crystal Handbook. It's pretty short. Well, it's not short. It's condensed information. It's a long book, and it has a really, really wide selection, so that's what I like about that one is it has more crystals than I think any other single book that I have. So that's really cool. So those are just a couple in my library that I really, really like, um, depending on the way that you like things sorted out and just the nature of your collection uh, that will largely determine which book would be right for you. And honestly, you could always send me an email and I could help you pick one based on what it sounds like your needs are. But I definitely recommend getting at least just a couple books so that you have something to work with, some familiarity. Um, but certainly don't underestimate your own intuition and your own individual relationship with your crystal because it is individual. Now, I want to talk a little bit about crystal cleansing because this is something that I hear about a lot. And I actually am of the belief, and this really is not my unique belief, this is something that I was taught in the Hibiscus Moon Academy, was that I feel like we do a somewat over, uh, over cleanse. <laughs> we sometimes over cleanse our crystals, I think. And I think that we like put a little bit too much importance on that in my personal opinion. And the reason that I feel that way and the reason I was taught that is because I feel like crystals are creations of Mama Earth. They're really smart little creatures. And I don't really think that they need us to tell them what to do. They already have their own energy signature. They already have the way that they work. And I've actually had um, clients ask before, oh, I bought, a, I bought a crystal and then I got sick. Do you think that the crystal had bad energy and that's why I got sick? Because I had forgotten to cleanse it. 
And I really just don't think that's something that would ever happen. Maybe that's a controversial opinion. But um, I think that at worst, maybe if you really are due to cleanse your crystal and you forget or you don't do it, at worst, it might just not work as quickly or effectively because it, it's absorbed so much energy that, it ha that it's holding on to it and it might be a little sluggish. But even that, I don't really know if that happens. To be completely honest, I have not experienced it. Now, the only time that I would definitely cleanse and do definitely cleanse a crystal, I do like to cleanse them when I first when I first get them. But honestly, that's just, I think, more for me than the stone. I just like to know that it's like a clean slate type of thing. Crystals are absorbers of energy, but they're also deflectors of energy. And they're, they know how to protect themselves. If they know how to protect you and regulate your energy, then they definitely know how to protect themselves and regulate their own energy. That's my belief. Now, honestly, though, this is actually something to consider on an individual basis because there's some stones, like jet, for example, is extremely absorbent, and it especially picks up on the vibrations of the people that touch it. So jet, is a, it's actually not really a crystal. Um, it's a form of petrified wood. So in that sense, it is a little different. It doesn't have a crystalline structure. It's an organic material, but jet is a quote-unquote stone that needs to be cleansed frequently, in my opinion, and certainly when you first get it, just because it will be saturated. It absorbs pretty much everything it touches, and that tends to be the case for some stones where they're really absorbent, and usually this is the, the black stones. Um, black tourmaline can be that way. Smoky quartz can be that way. Um, they're all different in the way that they work with energy. So if you have a stone that is a super absorber, then you might need to give that one a rest a little bit more often than some of your others. And cleansing becomes a little bit more important if you want it to work effectively. But really the only times I cleanse my stones are on their initial arrival. And also if I used a stone for a really important spell or ritual, and then maybe I want to use it again. Now, sometimes I won't necessarily reuse a stone after I've used it for an important spell work. Sometimes it will remain either on an altar or in a jar or something like that, depending on the spell. But a lot of the times I will reuse a stone after using it for a spell. But obviously in that case, if you've worked with it for a very specific reason for a long time, um, or even not necessarily a formal spell, but let's say that you've set an intention with a crystal to work with it to help heal your broken heart or something. And then once that that intention is is accomplished and once that healing has taken place, you're obviously going to continue to work with the crystal, but you don't really necessarily need it for that one intention anymore. So I don't think it's a bad idea to do some sort of a little cleansing process. It certainly can't hurt and then create a new intention with that crystal. And hopefully that is how it works. Hopefully, you know, as they do help you to manifest the life you want and heal yourself and the world around you, you are always developing a deeper relationship with it and creating new goals and intentions with the crystal. Obviously, that's how it should and hopefully will work. Um, but I do think that to give them a little rest period in between and to give them some sort of a cleansing process is helpful because I do think that they can become a little bit confused. If we're scattered and if we're confused and if we've been, we had a thing going where we were working together on this one thing and then suddenly like, if you are confused about what you're working with your crystal for, I think that your crystal can become confused. Or not if you're confused, but if you switch up a lot, um, I think that 
and that's if you are setting specific intentions. A lot of people really just carry the crystal saying, you know, whatever it does is fine with me. I just felt intuitively called to this one. I don't have a specific conscious intention and that's fine too. But if you are actively setting intentions and some people like to do like a little programming ceremony to, to set that intention, which again, I don't think that's necessary either. Um, anything like programming or now, can it be powerful? Absolutely. Does it hurt? Of course not. So if this is something that you do in your crystal practice and you really enjoy it, then I'm certainly not going to dissuade you from continuing to do that. The only time though, as I said, that I do any sort of a programming ritual is really when I'm in spell work, when I'm conducting a spell and I'm working with a crystal for a very specific purpose. But for the most part, if I'm just working with them in my daily life, in my skincare, in my uh, home, in my car for protection, uh, when I'm just working with them uh, throughout my day, carrying them, having them in my pocket, sleeping with them at night, I don't worry as much about programming them for a good night's sleep or, as I said, cleansing them all the time, especially if I'm the only one that's touching them. Now, if I were to use one for a healing session on a client, certainly I would cleanse it before using it on another client. And again, that's just a matter of cleanliness, like keeping things separate and keeping the energy of the crystal not confused. But again, I never want you to think that if you forget to cleanse your crystal, it will sicken you or create illness or anything like that. Cause I have actually received that question before and it blew my mind, honestly, that anyone would think that that would be the case. So please don't stress about cleansing. Don't stress about programming. These are words that you'll hear a lot in the, in your journey of learning about crystal healing and crystal magic. And for whatever it's worth, it is my personal opinion that we do put a little bit too much stock into that. So really just do whatever feels good to you is what it comes down to as always. But please don't ever fear that forgetting to cleanse will mean that your crystal will hurt you in some way. As I said, I think at the absolute worst, if you were to get a little sloppy and maybe go a really long time without cleansing or not cleanse it when you first get it or change your intention while still working with the same crystal, I think that what would just happen is that it could just be a slower process of healing or manifesting, or it could be just not as effective or something like that. But anyway, I don't think that that's a crazy thing. Now let's talk quickly about cleansing methods too, before we wrap this up, because there's lots of different ways that you can cleanse your stones and they really are all different in terms of their physical chemical composition, in terms of their softness, in terms of their energy. So these are all things that you do actually want to consider when you're thinking about the process of cleansing your stone. So obviously if you have a softer stone, you want to avoid really harsh cleansing tools like salt and water. So um, the most traditional way to cleanse a stone would be in salt water. So you would put some sea salt preferably, but whatever you have, pink Himalayan salt's fine, in some water, bless it under the sun or moon ideally, and then let your stone soak in the salt water for a couple of days. That's the most traditional way to do it. Um, however, I also think it's the most abrasive way to do it and it will damage your stones over time, especially if they're softer, um, and if they require, you know, more gentle care as a lot of stones do. So definitely always know the softness of your stone off the top of my head. Some that are really soft selenite is not safe to run underwater. It's too soft. Um, malachite isn't really good for water. It will damage the stone. Um, those are just a few examples, but 
I feel like there's actually quite a few stones that have, I think the, I think the rule of thumb is if it's under five, if the softness is under five, it will be damaged by um, extensive water or salt exposure. So that's something to keep in mind. Just don't do that if your stone is, you know, a little bit sensitive and just do your research before you choose your cleansing method. But salt water, if you do have a stone that can handle that kind of a cleansing process, is a really effective way. Honestly, you can also just, if your water or if your stone is um, okay with water exposure, you can also just rinse it underwater. I don't believe that it has to be a really long process. I think even if you literally just run it under some cold water, that will cleanse the stone for you. Um, honestly, another really good one that's a lot less damaging is sound, which is super easy. And you can literally do it in a second. If you have a singing bowl, you can place your stone in a singing bowl and just play it. You can also ring a bell over it. I really do believe that sound is probably the best way to cleanse crystals because it requires, you know, no damage. There's, there's nothing being done to the crystal other than its vibration is being lifted. So that's a really powerful way to cleanse your stones. Um, honestly, if you're working with like an earthier stone, like a black tourmaline or a garnet or something like that with just more of an earthy shamanic vibration, then cleansing in dirt or brown rice is really nice or even salt, not salt water, but just a bowl of salt that tends to be a lot less abrasive than salt water. So those are some good ways. Just if you have a little bowl, just pop them right in. You can also use smoke, which is really non-damaging. Uh, you can use the smoke of sage or incense or Palo Santo, whatever you use to cleanse your space. You can also use the smoke of that to cleanse your stone. And then another good way actually too would be to leave your stone out in the sun or moon under its light. Now obviously for a lot of us this is not possible or ideal because maybe you live in a place where you can't just leave your crystal collection outside under the moon because you wouldn't be sure that it would be there in the morning. So, or some of us really just genuinely don't have the lawn space. We don't have a place physically that we could do that. So obviously that's not ideal for everyone, but that is a fun way to do it if you are a lunar babe and that is your way. Um, stones that especially like uh, moon energy are amethyst, moonstone, and selenite. And really any sort of a more yin feminine crystal will really appreciate some exposure to moonlight if that's possible for you. And then another way too would be, as I said, exposing to sunlight. So you can leave your crystals out during the day. The only thing to be careful of with that is again, depending on the crystal, some will actually fade, their color will. And that's actually usually lunar stones anyway. So like rose quartz, amethyst, those are two stones that you don't want to leave under uh, the sun for too long because it will actually fade their color. But honestly, those are stones that I wouldn't really cleanse under the sun anyway. For sun cleansings, you want to do your yang stones. So like sunstone, pyrite, uh, heliotrope, those really like sun energy. But that's not necessarily for every crystal. And then the other thing to mention about that too is that clear quartz actually can get very hot and even start a fire if exposed to direct sunlight for a long period of time. So just be careful. I wouldn't cleanse your clear quartz under the sun. And if you do, just don't do so if it's unsupervised. So 
As you can see, there's a lot of different things to consider when you are talking about cleansing a stone. You just want to make sure that you're not going to physically damage the stone, its color or its surface. And then obviously you just want to make sure that the stone energetically is appreciating the process. So I think that the two least invasive ways are smoke and sound. And what's nice too is that these are also the fastest ways. So I definitely recommend that. If you do Reiki as well, you can hit your stones with some Reiki. Um, there's all kinds of ways to cleanse the stones. And actually you can use other crystals to cleanse your stones too. Supposedly selenite is a stone that never needs cleansing, according to Judy Hall. And I kind of agree that as I said, I honestly don't think any stone quote unquote needs it, but selenite in particular is self-cleansing. It really doesn't need it. And so if you have a nice long bar of selenite, you can put your tumbled stones on that and that can do the trick. Kyanite also has that ability. And also a bag or bowl of carnelian too will do that. So if you have a bunch of tumbled carnelian and you just put one stone in with those, I don't know that it will cleanse them, but it will definitely spruce them up and give them a boost of energy so that they'll be nice and effective the next time you work with them, which is really cool. So there's lots of ways to cleanse your stones. Um, so just pick your method and just make sure that you are considering the stone that you have when you're choosing your method, because that does matter. So keep that in mind. But um, Okay, so thank you so much for listening. I, I guess that's pretty much everything. Um, I hope that you go and buy a crystal if you don't have one. And if you do have a collection, then I hope that you go to it right now and pick one to spend the week with and just sort of see what happens, set a fun intention. And we're going to talk about crystals way more in this podcast. So if you have further questions or this created some questions or I mentioned anything in passing that you would really like clarity on, don't fret because this, as I said, was really just the intro. We're going to talk a lot more about this later, and we're going to talk about specific crystals. We're going to talk about the crystals that I recommend for different situations. We're really just going to go super into it because I really want to talk about crystal healing and crystal magic. I'm so passionate about it. It's changed my life, and I know that it can change yours too. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a fantastic day. Stay cool because at the time of recording, it's insanely hot. I'm literally sweating right now. So I'm going to leave to go lay in my AC or possibly jump in a pool. Not sure. But one of those two are definitely about to happen. So have a great day. Take care. And I'll talk to you very soon.